When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Caps PA announcer Wes Johnson, and you're listening to Book the Pod. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Puck. It is a Washington Capitals podcast, which means it's a podcast about your 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Thank you all for listening to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms, especially Overcast. What the Puck is a proud member of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you for listening to us on there. Joining me, as always, to talk all things Washington Capitals. It might be a bye week, but not for us. Coach Dan, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm all right. I'm doing. You know what? I actually, I should look this up ahead of time, but someone put it out on Twitter within the past year. Both the Washington Commanders, still a stupid name, hopefully that's going to change, and the Baltimore Orioles will now have new owners. That's right. You're rocking the Baltimore Orioles Things. cap tonight, I which my, I'm so proud. Ripkin, I have a Ripkin jersey I'm wearing. I have an Adam Jones t-shirt, or it's Brian Roberts. I don't remember which one I put on this morning <laughs> when I went to go to work, and but I got my Orioles hat as well. So I've been going to O's games since I was a little kid. I actually skipped school once to go see Nolan Ryan pitch. For the Texas Rangers. Oh, very nice. Well, ding, so ding was... dong, the psycho is gone. John oh, Angelos God. has sold no, no, the no. team, thankfully. Why? Well, yeah, and you know what? When he came out and was talking about how, you know what? We're going to have to raise the ticket prices to sign some of these young, play, really good players. And he feels, I was like, I, I'm sorry, do you own the team or do we own the team? I'm not paying for them. <laughs> I pay for a seat. You pay for the players. <laughs> so I when I saw that come out, I was like, and it's a dude who's from Baltimore. Yep. Get this though. Ripken is a part of the ownership group. True. I got like, I don't know, three and a half percent, two percent, something like that. Grant Hill is a part of the ownership group. Didn't see that coming. Former NBA great Detroit Piston and probably played other places that I can't remember. Grant Hill. Um, and uh, David Bloomberg. I feel like when some of these teams get sold, they just start calling their other rich buddies and they're like, hey, you got. 20 million lying around 200 million lying around that you can just like give me so I can buy this team. Like, I don't understand how these guys all hook up, but yeah. the reality is they need to resign. We've already got, this is Orioles talk now. Apparently we're no yeah. talking about the cow. Brandon, go change your Jersey. So um, this, is, this is how good the Orioles or the, uh, <laughs> the capital season has been going. We're talking Orioles. This now. Is, oh, it's, it's switched. Cause usually the caps do really good. And the Orioles are like, why are they so bad? Yeah, I don't understand it, but uh, no, man, I'm doing good. Sorry, I got completely off track. It was quick. That's the fastest <laughs> we've ever gotten off track before. But how are you doing, buddy? 
Doing good. Well, since it is a bye week for the Capitals, the All-Star break is coming up. We thought, let's kind of mix things up a little bit. You guys have heard Coach Dan and I talking all season long. Let's bring in a, a fresh voice, somebody who does this, uh, you know, uh, on a regular basis, on a professional basis, makes more sense than uh, us talking for the next couple minutes. But he's the play-by-play -play man for the Gulf Storm of the Ontario Hockey League on Rogers TV. And his name, he's our favorite angry Canadian, Ryan Drury. What's going on, Ryan? How you doing? I'm great, fellas. It's great to be back on the show. I missed you guys. And uh, yeah, despite the Caps not playing well lately, it's it's good to be back on the show. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a little while. I was looking at our our DMs over on X, formerly Twitter, and I was like, I don't think that uh, we've had Ryan on the show since 2022, maybe even 2021. Wow, has it been two years since we've talked to Ryan, like officially on here on the show? I think it has been. That's pretty wild. So things have gotten a little weird here in Capsland, uh, but. <laughs> Ryan, so what? What is what's your take on the state of the Washington Capitals? Halfway, a little bit more than halfway through this season, Dan and I, we, we've debated this, you know, for for weeks now. Of is this 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 isn't a playoff team? Could it be a playoff team? Is this where they should be with a new coach? Like overall, like what what is your your thoughts on the state of the Capitals? I think that we're watching a team that's bereft of top-end talent that's in transition from moving away from older players that used to push this team to higher limits that just can't do it anymore, either because their games have slipped that significantly or they simply can't get on the ice. And, I mean, that's, that's more uh, the Nick Backstrom vein, which is still just heartbreaking because he's my favorite player ever. Um but without guys like that and with slipping games of Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and John Carlson's actually played pretty well, to be fair to him. But, you know, this is a team that's just their best players are not able to consistently push them to victories, you know, with the performances of three or four guys like they used to. And the depth of the team are either older guys that are also kind of going to be on their way off the roster over the next couple of years or young guys that are still trying to find their feet. So like, ultimately I'm not disappointed or upset with where the team is at. We all knew this was coming and it's here now. And I'm really excited about some of the prospects they have in the system. I think the next couple of years are going to have to be, you know, a time of patience for Caps Nation. We're going to have to make sure that we understand that it's going to take a little while for them to be competitive again. But they've done a really good job. They've always done a good job of drafting, even with poor draft position. I mean, their average draft pick over the last 15 years has been 23 in the first round. Look what they've done with that. And they almost always consistently hammer their first couple rounds of draft picks and turn them into guys who can consistently contribute at the NHL level in some way. And I think that they've got prospects in the pipeline that are ready to do that again. But right now they are what they are and what they are is a team that's not very talented with aging veterans who are going to move over over the next few years for younger guys who are hopefully ready to start the growing process into taking over that mantle. What do you think is ailing Ovi? I think that's the biggest question that most Caps fans have. I mean, he's still supposed to be 
chasing Gretzky, even if this team isn't, isn't in a rebuild, but isn't like a retooling, but he's, he's only got nine goals for the season so far. And that, that is very un like, is this just father time is winning? Do you think he's got a nagging injury? What do you see? Probably both. He's, he's probably sore. He's got some sort of injury that's been bothering him for a little bit. I think that that's obvious, but you don't have this type of a decline without also considering he's just getting older. He, he's old and his legs hurt. Uh, that's really what it is. And ultimately, yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, you know, it'll be sad if he's not able to get to Gretzky. And ultimately, I don't care because I've I've maintained ever since he hit about that 750, 760 range, really when he passed Yager. And then when he passed Gordie Howe, in my opinion, he's already the greatest goal scorer of all time in the era he had to do it in. Um, and, and, you know, you look at the guys that are doing it now, the Austin Matthews, McDavid, Pasternak. Yeah, those guys are incredible goal scorers. Keep in mind, Ovechkin had to do a bulk of his goal scoring when the goaltenders still looked like miniature tanks. They did not reduce the size of the goaltending equipment until the 2017-18 season. Might have been 16-17. I can't remember when they shaved those inches off all the pieces of equipment. And really, the biggest thing was the chest protectors. Ovechkin was still shooting on guys that looked like they were going to be in a Star Wars movie. So, <laughs> in my opinion, it doesn't matter if he passes 894. He's still the greatest of all time. But he's old. Like, I mean what do we expect from this guy? Like he's 38 years old. The other big problem is he doesn't have a consistent centerman or setup man on his line that can consistently get him the puck. The power play is a disaster. So the option for him on the power play is usually completely taken away because there's literally no other threat out there. And then at five on five, he doesn't have a running mate like Nick Backstrom or prime time Yevgeny Kuznetsov who's getting him the puck in dangerous areas to score very often so I think the combination of those three things is why he's sitting at nine goals let's not call Ovechkin old I'm a year older than him so let's let's settle down with the ages and then my apologies <laughs> old in terms of the NHL <laughs> no I'm just kidding um no I mean I think I think you've touched on a couple of good points here. I think the first one being that they're having a really hard time finding a center for him. And I think on top of that, and I know Brandon and I, we talked about this last week, the other lines are gelling so well that it's not like you can just keep shifting them around to find out what works for Ovechkin when the other lines are working. But I think your first point in terms of why the Caps are struggling right now is, is, is exactly what the issue is. They have old guys that are on their way out. And there's not a lot of old guys that are on their way out, but these are the guys that are typically contributing 25 30 35 40 goals a season and you've got younger guys that are on their way up and then there's just dylan strome who's like an anomaly this season that hopefully continues to do that for the next couple of years if not longer but i'm curious and i was going to ask you about who are the young guys that you think are coming up that are the next round of 25 30 35 goal scores because they're not going to get another ovechkin not, not, I would imagine anybody's going to get another Ovechkin for a long time, just in terms of size, power, goal scoring, finesse, flair, all the things that he brought to the team and to this league. But you don't have to have an Ovechkin to win a cup. You have to have, you know, a fair amount of good goal scorers because you do have to put the puck in the net more times than the other team. So, like, who are the guys coming up on the team now, like that you see in Hershey or even further down? 
that are going to be the next round of top six talent or top nine talent that's going to help this team and that's going to push them to that next level. There's a few guys that stick out. Andrew Kristall, obviously, who's destroying the Western Hockey League right now. I mean, the point streaks that that kid has been on and the goal-scoring tears that he's been on out there for Kamloops have been really something to behold. I, I, I don't think that he's very far away from the NHL at all, personally. I already think that his skating is elite. He's got great edges. He's able to find space. And, and he's a rare goal scorer. Obviously not like... Ovechkin, he's once in a lifetime. You're never going to see anything like that again. But he is one of those rare goal scorers where he's able to put himself in smart areas of the ice and get away from defenders and put himself in open spots. And if someone gives it to him on the tape, it's going in the back of the net. I mean, just look at his highlights this year. They're ridiculous. I really like that kid's game. I really like uh, as well, I think Ivan Moroshnichenko, who's had such a challenging start to the young part of his career in terms of becoming a pro, obviously beating cancer, which is incredible. I, I think that that kid has a really bright future. I, I like the way that he skates. I like the way that he engages physically. He's never the one getting hit. He's usually engaging the physicality, which is something that's you know nice to see from a kid who grew up playing over in Russia, where the game is far less physical. You got the big ice. There's not a lot of big collisions. And down in Hershey, like, He's he's a shift disturber, if you will. Like he goes out there and they know what they're going to get. And when you have a young kid like that, that's pretty rare to say. And the American Hockey League doesn't get the credit for being as hard as it is. Everybody in the American Hockey League is going full throttle because they all want to be in the National Hockey League. And the way that he plays down there in Hershey, who continue to just be a wagon in terms of minor hockey is incredible. I really like his game as well. I, I still, maybe I'm biased because I've watched him for the last two and a half years, but I really, really feel like in a few years' time, we're going to look back and go, how on earth did the Washington Capitals draft a kid like Cam Allen in the fifth round? Uh, it's just absolutely made no sense to me that he fell that far. Second round, bare men. He was a first round pick all day in my mind, and I think years to come will show that. And there are a few other guys, too. Like, I like Protus. I like that they signed him. I think that he's a good power forward that can be a key contributor in a top nine role, maybe potentially top six if he's, like, the six guy. But I like the way that his game has started to round out. I still think Connor McMichael has more to offer. People often forget that he was an exceptionally good junior hockey player. And I think that he's going to turn into kind of that Nick Backstrom role. I'm not saying he'll be Nick Backstrom. I'm just saying that he's going to be a consistent 200 foot player who really takes care of every area of the ice. That kid has a lot of hockey smarts. He doesn't do anything exceptional, but he does everything well. And uh, I think that we're seeing that with the, with his ice time usage of late. I think Spencer Carberry is starting to notice that he has a lot more to offer. Those are a few guys that I think over the next few years are going to get pushed through the system that hopefully are able to elevate. And that's all before we even mention Ryan Leonard, who looks to be the, the next coming of Tom Wilson. I, I really think that that kid is going to be the next guy that NHL fans are going to get on Twitter and complain about every time he throws a big hit in the NHL. I really like his game. 
I think he plays with swagger. I think he plays with snarl. He's got great hands. He's a goal scorer. He goes to dirty areas, and he's never afraid to get under the opponent's skin. I think that kid is going to drive people absolutely insane in the National Hockey League and be a great weapon on the power play and at five-on-five. I'm really happy he's going to be a capital. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, kind of like Tom Wilson, he's one of those players that everyone would love to have on their team, but the fact that he's not, you just hate him. Now, the, I feel like Wilson, though, to an extent, has kind of moved away from being that agitator to an extent. I mean, he's still a very physical player. He's just smarter about it. And I remember I was reading something, I forget where it was, a couple of weeks ago, about Leonard and how his sort of antics and his behavior. And when he gets to the NHL, someone's going to have to pull him aside and be like, look, you can play that way, but you can't act that way, if that makes sense. And I'm sure at some point that will kind of be reeled in in the same way that Wilson kind of was able to understand that he couldn't throw himself around in the same way that he was before because he was, you know, the suspensions were getting longer and longer every time he was making these kind of mistakes. But going into some of the prospects, who are the guys that can help this team that aren't on the roster now? Because this is a team that, in theory, wants to make the playoffs, but really they want to get Ovechkin to that number. They want him to get, Leontis wants him to get past Gretzky. So what does this team need to do? Because Netsoff's not the answer. And they're not seeing it, apparently, I would assume, with Strom and with McMichael, and I don't see Dowd on the first line. So who's the guy, in your opinion? What, do this, what does this team need to do? Who should they be looking at? What should they be looking at doing to get Ovechkin to that number? Is it robotic legs? Like, is that what we have to do because he's getting older? Like, what's the plan to get him to that number? Because like you said, I mean, he's arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time, greatest power forward of all time. But having that number, having the Capitals' name associated with the greatest goal scorer of all time statistically is an amazing thing. And I imagine that's what Leonsis wants to get to. So I'm sure he's willing to shell out the money for it. So what do they need to do to get him there? I don't think any of the guys I just mentioned are ready to contribute at a level where they're going to be the ones that push Ovechkin past that number. If if that is the goal here which might be to their detriment, to be perfectly fair, based on where they are, because they're kind of in that danger zone. Like, they're not bad enough to be at the bottom of the table in the lottery for a top five, top three pick, but they're not good enough to, like, if they go on a heater again like they did in late November there and maybe sneak into the playoffs... I, I don't have a lot of confidence that they get out of a first round against some of those monsters in the Eastern Conference. What are they like? What are they going to do? Beat Florida? Like, yeah, right. I, I highly doubt it. I guess stranger things have happened, but I, I don't see it happening. Um, I just don't think that their goaltending and defensive structure is good enough to do that. If they want this team to get more competitive sooner, they're going to have to do it through free agency or some creative trades. And they're going to have to also shed quite a bit of the dead salary that's on their roster. Now, obviously, Nick Backstrom's money is off the roster regardless because he's on LTIR and unfortunately will probably never play again. The Kuznetsov thing is, you know, we've reached the bottom of the barrel with whatever is going on with that guy. And... I don't know how you sell him to another team 
without potentially having to retain salary. He's got one more year on his deal after this one. It could be done. But I guess the sales pitch would have to be, look what he did back in 2018 there, and maybe a change of scenery will kick him into gear or something because he was phenomenal. Like, he arguably was the Caps' best player on that run outside of Ovi. Like, he was unbelievable. It looked like he was finally ready to take a big step and become uh, a consistent 90 to 100-point superstar based on what we saw him do that spring. And it just didn't happen. And he's getting paid way too much money for the production that, that he brings, let alone the effort level that he brings. I'm pretty sick of him. I'll be honest. Like I uh, thanks for 2018 and everything like that, but I'm fed up with them. And I bet you, if you caught Spencer Carberry and the last couple coaches that have been there in a candid moment, they would probably all say the same thing. Like we just cannot get this guy to play hockey. Um, and that's kind of a problem when you're paying a guy $7.8 million dollars. That $7.8 million could be going to a center who gives a crap on most nights. Um, so if, they're, if their goal is to try and make this better soon, they're going to have to find a way to move away from Kuznetsov and bring in some players who are south of 30 and want to play. And I think that despite his age, you could still convince some guys, hey, wouldn't it be neat if you had number eight running shotgun with you every night? Be pretty cool. I, I think that there is still a sales pitch there that would intrigue some guys. But there's nobody on the way in the system right now that's going to drastically improve this team's or Ovechkin's goal-scoring fortunes in the next two maybe even three years. They are going to have to go and find people to replace Nick Backstrom, Kuznetsov, and probably TJ Oshie at some point here too because he can barely stay healthy. So, and, and the defense core is another thing too. Like John Carlson continues to play really, really well and he'd be an interesting trade piece, I think, for a potential contender, a big right shot defenseman who's won a cup. Um but behind him, like, what do they really have? They There is an area where they're really severely lacking high-end prospects outside of, in my opinion, Cam Allen, and guys who are ready to step onto the roster right now. I don't, I don't see anybody coming on the blue line that's going to drastically improve their fortunes either. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a challenge. Like, if they want to get competitive quick, Brian McClellan's going to have to do some interesting maneuvering and they're one of the most interesting teams heading toward the deadline because they've got a bunch of pieces that I just mentioned that are probably interesting to some cup contenders, but with the way the salary cap is and would the capitals want to retain any salary, do they still feel like they're in the mix? We heard those rumors about them being interested in Sean Monahan. I have zero interest in that. I don't think Sean Monahan is going to be a guy that's going to drastically change the fortunes of this team either. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge if competing anytime soon is what they want. Yeah. Like you said, the next big thing coming up is, is the trade deadline. Do you see the capitals being buyers or sellers or just staying put? Because a lot of the stuff you just brought up, I mean, if they want to be sellers, 
they've got, you know, a guy with a big contract that might not be really something that a lot of people are looking for. Uh, he's a guy that could be good, but people also have seen he, you know, has his days where he doesn't want to play. And Yevgeny Kuznetsov, they have uh, some great goaltending and some great goaltending prospects, like some somebody who's really needs a goaltender could potentially look at that and and want to make a trade. So what are you thinking? Are you seeing these guys as uh, the Capitals as buyers or sellers at the trade deadline, or are they just going to stay put and kind of ride this wave to the offseason? I think that they might be more in a situation where they stay kind of put, and any bigger moves like moving Kuznetsov, maybe moving a Carlson, maybe moving away from Charlie Lindgren, who would be the goalie that everybody would want. Nobody is going to want Kemper at five and a half based on the way that he plays sometimes. However, I will say that his high danger save percentage is still pretty good. And the team plays like garbage in front of him most nights. But Charlie Lindgren would fetch you, especially with his cap hit. I, I, I guarantee you could probably get a first round pick for him if somebody was desperate for a goaltender. But in terms of big moves like like Kuznetsov moving or Carlson or something like that I feel like that's going to be more of an off-season thing where teams have a bit of a better idea of okay we've got these guys coming off our books we can absorb a salary like this post draft we we know what our draft capital looks like for the next couple years I feel like I just don't see with the way they're playing and with the way the salary cap structure is for a lot of teams, especially contenders, most of them who are already pretty tight against the cap. I don't see a big move coming unless it was a situation where a contender who had an aging veteran with one year left on their deal approached the Capitals and said, we'll take Kuznetsov. Or we'll take maybe a John Carlson, who I think if if the Capitals said, hey, we're on the market, John Carlson would be the guy that gets the most calls. That Like, just straight up. A right shot defenseman who is, uh, in my opinion, one of the most underrated guys. Like, he does not come up a lot in, you know, top five, top ten defensemen. Look at his career. Like, over the last ten years, a majority of teams would like to have that guy playing on the right side. Oh, and he shoots right too. Um, they would get a ton of calls on him. I think it would be a situation where they would go, hey, we would love to acquire that player. Would you take this bad salary back that only has the rest of the year left on it? And then we throw in a sweetener like a top-end prospect and a pick. I really, I really feel like there are teams that could shake something like that, depending on where they find themselves. And I'll throw a couple out. I think the Rangers would be an interesting call. I think that the Leafs would potentially be an interesting call, depending on what Brad Living wants to do with that crazy cap situation they have. Kevin Sheveldayoff in the Winnipeg Jets. Kevin Sheveldayoff has never made a big, big in-season move. And that team's legit. Would he maybe dip his toe into a big trade deadline move? What are the Canucks going to do? What are the Oilers going to do? There's a lot of question marks around Canadian teams. Vegas is always sniffing around whenever a good player comes on any market. Vegas is there. Um, there are a couple of interesting options out there in terms of teams that would be willing to acquire talent from the Capitals. I definitely, in closing, do not believe they should be buyers unless the buying is young talent and draft picks. 
going back to the Carlson sort of trade talk, I find like I don't see them making that trade if only because they're afraid to upset Ovechkin. And I, I think you're 100% right. And Brandon and I talked about this before in terms of like Ovechkin chasing Goretzky's record. There is a detrimental aspect to that in terms of the future of this franchise, or at least the immediate future of this franchise. The the rebuild or reboot or transition to the next level, uh, next stage after him is being delayed by his chase for Gretzky's record. My question is, do you move, if you move on from Carlson, if you make, you know, if you move on from Oshi, which I don't necessarily see him as someone other teams are going to want to give a lot for just because of his, his recent injury history. Do you run the risk of upsetting Ovechkin enough that he says, you know what, you can move me too. You know, he rumor is he wasn't very happy about it. He understood it, but he wasn't happy that they were sellers last year. And even though it might be the best thing for the Washington Capitals, to be sellers this year by selling certain guys Lindgren, given how well he's playing would be kind of a bummer, but I get it. He's not the future of this team when they're going to be pushing for the playoffs and potentially a cup again. Maybe that's Clay Stevenson, but do you run the risk of upsetting Ovechkin now by looking towards the future? Uh, I'm going to say something maybe that's controversial. I really don't care. Oh. <laughs> um, I was throwing it down. I, I just don't care because Look, as much as we all love Big O and everything that he represents and everything that he's done for the franchise, at the end of the day, like, no player is bigger than any one franchise. Like, the franchise has to continue on someday. The New England Patriots are still an NFL team. The Chicago Bulls are still an NBA team. The Washington Capitals will continue to be an NHL team when Ovechkin is retired. And I just don't feel like it's responsible right now to go and burn draft capital acquiring Sean Monahan and defenseman X and another player to try and get a few more goals out of this guy who, let's just be fair too, has not played very well this year. Like, they throw that first line out there and I, I genuinely don't see what they're bringing to the table most nights other than Dylan Strom, who when Strom is playing with him is moving the puck and doing a good job. But the line he's currently on is doing a way better job. And what's the sense of breaking that up just to try and crank out more out of Ovechkin, who is used to being a guy that drives his line. And maybe he's just not able to do that anymore. And that's okay. He's 38 years old, for God's sake. He's thrown more body checks than anybody that's come into the NHL since he was drafted. He has more hits than anybody in the league since he was drafted. The guy has put his body through an insane amount of physical abuse. And at the end of the day, like, this team has to have a future someday. And I don't really care if he's upset that they go, look, the team's not very good. Like I would sit down with him and at any risk of him being upset, be like, this is what they're like. Look at the standings. We're, we're not, we're not challenging for anything of substance. So let us go and acquire some younger talent who could still potentially play with you and help you score some goals. It's not like we're going to take your ice time away. And honestly, I, I don't think that he would ever play for another for another team either. I don't think there's any risk of him going, well, you better trade me then. Uh, I just don't think he'll ever do that. 
Um, he'd retire before doing that, I think. But like, I, I think he's more professional than that and understands the situation. Like, there's no way he doesn't go out there every night and go, boy, this feels a little different than it did five years ago. Like, we'd be up 4-1 by this point, usually. Um, that's just not there anymore. It's not a reality. The guys that have been the core contributors of the team's success are all older. They're all slowing down. Or they're not on the ice, period. Nick Backstrom's not coming to save the day and throw saucer passes cross ice right onto your tape anymore. It's just not happening. The guy's hip's a mess. So is it this that is the team right now is built the wrong way in terms of being, this is not a team that's going to win a cup. Even if they make one or two trades, could they make the playoffs second round? Maybe some guys got to play it. Like Charlie Linger. And I feel like is playing well enough to get a team into the playoffs. Dylan Strom is playing well enough to be on a team that's going to make the playoffs. There are there are pieces here that the Caps have. There are other pieces because Nets off um, some of the defenders. Like there are guys on this roster that are not contributing well enough because that's not being a big part of it to get them into the playoffs or to make a run in the playoffs. So I guess I'm wondering, you know, yes, there are trade chips like, but if you move on from a guy like Carlson, instead of looking for draft picks, do you start looking for guys that? Maybe they're in their early 20s, have the future to be on the top line, and maybe they're playing with Ovechkin, or you're moving Strom up and playing him with Ovechkin, and maybe this team actually gets better through a retool, if you will. You know, they did a little bit of a semi-rebuild last year by picking up some younger guys, prospects, picks, whatever it was, for Orlov and whomever else, and I can't remember off the top of my head those trades last year. But I do wonder if there's opportunities here, and I know there isn't a lot of chatter. It's not like European football where there's just – especially with the deadline being today, you know, there's just conversations all the time in terms of guys being moved and where they want to go. And you don't really see that as much in the NHL. We saw the Monaghan. We saw the dude out in Vancouver that the caps had asked or been, I guess been looking into. And there was a story last night of the caps have, or there's like 12 other teams that had scouts at uh, the only NHL game. I guess that was going on last night. So I'm curious to see if the caps are able to move forward. I guess this isn't really a question, more of a conversation piece that, can they sort of retool this roster to help Ovechkin continue and still remain competitive, probably not make the playoffs, but still be competitive. And I'm not saying do what the Penguins did last year where they just threw everything at getting back into the playoffs, even though that was not a team that was going to make a run. And I would just, I would hate for them to handicap or prevent Ovechkin from being able to get this record even though it is what the franchise needs is to sort of take a step back, look at what they have and start looking into the next five, six years in terms of becoming competitive again. And I'm just wondering, are those trades out there? Are they possible? Is there a team that's got, you know what? We got this center. We got this younger guy. This is our year to make a cup run. You give us that really good player. We'll give you him. Yeah, those trades are out there. Look at the Winnipeg Jets. Like, they had a dismal year last year, and Pierre-Luc Dubois was a big crybaby. And, uh, but boy, he's really paying the LA Kings back for going and shelling all that money out with an eight-year deal. I can't stand that kid. What an absolute baby he is. I can't believe that he is, is doing this. Um, but he, he gets flipped to Winnipeg in that Patrick Line deal, doesn't want to stay in Winnipeg, demands a trade, gets flipped 
And everybody in the offseason went, boy, Winnipeg, did they ever have a down year last year? And now they don't have a, a number two center behind Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois gone. Well, look at the guys that are playing for them now that they got out of that trade and got way younger. Ayafalo has been awesome for them. And Gabe Velarde has been spectacular. And they're arguably the best team in the NHL. They're the best defensive team by a landslide. I think only three times over the last two and a half months, they've allowed more than three goals in a game. That's it's unbelievable. So yeah, those trades are out there. There are trades that are available out there. Look, there are a lot of good young players in the league. And there are a lot of teams that have young players on expiring entry-level deals or potential bridge deals that feel like, well, we're not going to have the money to pay them when they want the big ticket. And we think we can win now. Are one of these young guys on our team expendable to go and get John Carlson from the Washington Capitals or maybe take a flyer on Kuznetsov? That would be harder. Yeah, those trades are available. That is out there. What I expect is that in the summer, when Kuznetsov has one year left on his deal, they will try and trade him and get whatever they can for him, or they'll buy him out. Because you just, look, they're not going to get better with $7.8 million of what I consider. And again, I I love the kid. I I think he did a great job for us in that cup run. He should never pay for a drink in Washington again. He was the best player on that team. He was unbelievable. He was yeah, unbelievable. He, the fact that he didn't get the MVP of the playoffs, I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, give it to him. Well, because Ovi, fi- Ovi scored 15 well, times. I mean, it's a, it, yeah, he got it because it was, uh, yes, not to take away from Ovechkin. He played very well, but Kuznetsov was the best player on that team in that cup run. He I was. Mean, he, he was, was unbelievable. Amazing. He was amazing. It sucks I that we're saying this, though. I know. This is my point. Like, <laughs> like oh, yeah, he was amazing. And, and but he's he a salary dump. million dollars, and he doesn't do anything. So, like, it's Alexander Semin all over again. Um, not as bad, but that's kind of where we're at. He looks like Semin out there to me. Like, it's just like, what's this guy going to do? And then every now and again, he'll show up on a highlight reel because he does something disgusting because he can. And then you never see him again. Like people in the NHL, I guarantee you forget he exists because you don't, you don't hear about him because he didn't do anything. So with $7.8 million of what I consider near dead cap space, they're going to have to find a way to move away from that and have some money to play with and consider too, Oshie's deal's going to expire soon. He's got one more year left. That's five point. 25275 coming off the books eventually. John Carlson's deal will expire soon eventually, too. There is going to be some flexibility here over the next couple of years, either through free agency or through taking some of the older guys that do have value. Look, a lot of players I read an article today, a lot of teams would love to have Nick Dowd on their team. I completely understand why. The guy, the guy is way more in terms of value for effort than what Kuznetsov does. And he makes a seventh of his salary. I would love to have Nick Dowd on my hockey team too. If I felt like I was going to make a run, what a great fourth line center who wins draws and four checks well and kills penalties. I guarantee you that he's going to be able to fetch a good price. If they want to try and sell a guy like that, they're going to have to take some of the veteran guys that do have value still move them 
bring in younger pieces and you can bring in younger pieces that are ready to play right now. Look what Winnipeg did and be a good team right away. And, and like, we got to keep in mind too, like Spence, I love Spencer Carberry. I think he's fantastic. The Toronto Maple Leafs made a gigantic mistake letting him go. And I, I'm not, I'm not pining for the guy's job, but I don't think Sheldon Keefe has much longer to go there past this season. And they're going to regret letting Spencer Carberry go. Once his system is fully understood, the team will have an opportunity to take a big leap forward. I think that there's a real opportunity here over the next one or two seasons to potentially really dramatically change how this team looks simply because of the expiring contracts and the fact that they could, if they want to, sell some of these guys off and really get some nice returns. They really, really could. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois, what has that guy done in his career? All he's ever done is tease having big talent with that big body that he never uses. That's all he's done. And look what the Winnipeg Jets did. They've come away gangbusters from that trade. What an awful looking trade for Rob Blake and the LA Kings. You mean to tell me that they can get that type of effort and the Capitals couldn't call teams tomorrow and go, John Carlson's on the market. What do you got? I guarantee you the Caps could get two really good young players now and a pick for that guy, no problem. Teams would line up at their door. So there is an opportunity for them to turn this around a little more quickly, but they've got to make sure that they do it through young players. They cannot waste draft asset or young player asset capital in going and acquiring guys like Sean Monahan to fill a hole in a lineup that just isn't very good. So you're saying trading for Joel Edmondson in the offseason was a mistake? I don't think that was a terrible trade because you gave away a lower end pick and he has, they didn't. And he's probably (laughs) taking ice time away from Lucas Johansson, who finally looks like he might be ready to play in the NHL. Or another young player. So, you know, I didn't hate that move. And it's not a bad idea having some veteran guys around because their decor is pretty young. Um, But those type of moves now aren't going to jive well. I look at at stuff like that and, oh, should the Caps get Sean Monaghan? No. No, they shouldn't. I don't understand that one. The dude out in Vancouver, I'm totally blanking on his name. The uh, He's a Russian guy. Oh, you, you he, talk like, about Andre Kuzmenko. Yes, thank you. There was talk about him earlier in the season. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. We've known for, what, 18, 20 months now that they've wanted to go out and acquire a top six winger. I, McClellan's come out and been – George McPhee was notorious for not telling anybody anything. McClellan's got it written down. He's, like, sending out press reports in terms of this is what I want to do. This is what's going on which as a fan is fun. I wish he'd keep a little bit more close to the chest, but I mean, I think the point you brought up a moment ago in terms of like, we can be competitive again in one or two years. If we make these moves, if we do something like what Winnipeg did, I think that's how you sell it to Ovechkin. It's like, look, this roster, as you can clearly see on paper is not on paper in front of your eyes is not working. We have a couple guys. It's going to be hard to see your friends go, but we have a plan. We're going to make these moves now or in the summer. And then you can see going forward in the 2025-26 season or 26-27, you know, that's when we're getting good again. And we're making these moves to get top-end talent to help you get to Gretzky. 
whether it's Strom on the first line with you and someone else on the wing, if, if you know, top line Tom is going to the second line, whatever the case may be, I think that's how you sell it to Ovechkin. It's going to be hard for Caps fans to see these guys move on. But look at the Chicago Blackhawks. They would go and win a cup, and then you'd see a bunch of guys move out, and they'd retool, and then make another run. And maybe that's what the Capitals need to be looking at right now. We need to retool the roster. We need to move on from guys that aren't productive, and you do that by moving out players that have value. Mantha didn't have value. He might now. He's playing really well. If I'm a team team that thinks I can make a deep run and I want a goal-scoring winger, do am I willing to throw some prospect or, or young NHL player that just needs an opportunity that probably could play in a top six role, but isn't there because there's veterans ahead of him that are very good players. Well, are they willing yeah. to give up on that guy for Anthony Mantha or they're not going to give up for Kuznetsov, but do they do that? And a couple other dudes or picks or prospects, whatever it is for Lindgren or Carlson. I, you know, it's interesting. And I do, I wonder if Carberry has the players he needs to make a system work. So I, you know, I think we are going to see something, a retool, a rebuild, whatever it is, but I think they have to be able to sell it the right way, both to the fans and to Ovechkin. And they've already got the fans upset about the rink being moved. Well, not the rink being moved. You can't really pick up a really big building, but building a new rink across the river yeah. in Virginia. Like I'm looking at that going, Ovechkin is going to be gone by the time that thing opens up. And you've already got fans in Maryland in the district that are not thrilled about crossing the river because of just traffic in our area is garbage. You need a good team to sell people to come to that building because no matter how fancy it looks, no matter how nice it might, it might be, no matter how expensive it's going to be winning puts butts in the seats. I don't envy McCullen's job right now. He's got a lot of work to do. I don't either, but it's also exciting because he has an opportunity here to really really put another kind of fingerprint on this roster and really change things. Like there's an opportunity over the next season and a half here to really set this team up in a healthy way. And I already think that like they're doing that, like because they've drafted so well, like every, whenever this does turn and starts like going positive again, where they're really competitive, everybody should like send fan mail to Ross Mahoney and thank him for the unbelievable scouting job that he has done as the director of scouting and assistant general manager for the Washington Capitals for over 20 years. Now there are so many good prospects on the way that they are going to be able to bleed into this lineup and really lead a new charge, a new red wave. And if they can continue to try and just do the smart thing, take what veteran pieces you have on a struggling team, move them out for young value and draft assets and continue to add to that. Over the next couple of seasons, we're going to see a lot of exciting young players wear Washington Capitals jerseys. There's already a bunch, which we've touched on, and they can add even more. And that's the job that I'm looking for Brian McClellan to. I've already accepted that this is what it is. And everybody who hasn't yet and is and is clinging to some false hope going, well, maybe they could make the playoffs. No, let go. This is the cycle of sports. We need to get good young players to build a future around. Accept it. And let's all just do this together and give them the time they need, okay? I love our coach. We've, it looks like we've got our coach. 
We've got some great veteran pieces that can stick around like Strom and Wilson. And we've got some pretty good goaltending too and some good depth in, in the minors. And our minor league teams are absolute wagons. The Hershey Bears are incredible. There's some things to be excited about, and I just want them to add to that excitement, not take away from it by trying to put Band-Aids over what could turn into an open wound. Yeah, and speaking of the uh, the farm system and everything coming up, Coach Dan, have we covered everything for Caps World? I'd say we had a good Caps conversation today. <laughs> See, I mean, I'd be curious to see. We're going to have to have Ryan back when they're actually playing games to see uh, how things are going. I'm curious to see what this team is going to look like after the deadline. I mean, I really am. I mean, you know, we've had some exciting things. Given all of our conversations tonight, it's pretty much been doom and gloom to an extent. There are good things to see with this roster, not just the young Yeah, guys, I don't, I don't think it is doom and gloom. I, I, <laughs> I don't. I'm optimistic about it. Honestly, there is optimism for the future. I mean, you look at Mira Shachenko, who I think is, I agree. He's going to be a steal when he's they look back. Player. It's going to be, and I totally understand why other teams didn't go for him, but you've got young guys coming up. There's a lot of guys, you know, they're still three, four years away with some of the guys they drafted. Maybe, maybe less. I love that Mira Shachenko's name takes up half of the, you know, his Jersey on the back of him. It's just fun to see, but then you've got a guy like Dylan Strom. And I like that McCollum's pulled that out where Strom comes in. And he's tearing it up. You'd love to see that from Sonny Milano. And maybe he's had this injury thing that's been holding him back, but he had a really good year last year. So I'm excited to see what he can bring going forward. And they've got some good young defensemen that are both on this roster and, and coming up. And I think injuries have played a part. You know, if that, I don't think they're a playoff team necessarily if they don't have the same level of injuries, but that certainly hasn't helped a couple of these young guys in terms of their growth going forward. So I still think there's good things. And we talk about Ovechkin and he's struggling. He's older. He's still leading the team in, or tied for the lead in points. He's still doing really well. He's just taken on Backstrom's role of being a playmaker, apparently. He's not scoring quite as much as he used to, and be that injury, yeah. be it age, be it he doesn't have the same weapons around him, so he's getting double teams more than he did before. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different reasons, I think, as to why he's not scoring as much as he did before. But, you know, I think we did have a good Capitals conversation. I think there's some exciting things to come up in terms of the new six-year affiliation between the Caps and the Bears. Ryan, I don't know if you heard, I finally got to see them win a game last year. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm now go. one in five lifetime going to the Giant Center. I'm actually afraid to go this year because I feel like they'll lose that game and they just go on like a terrible losing streak because of me. So maybe I'll stay away from Hershey, Pennsylvania until after the season. But uh, no, I think this was a good chat. I'm excited for the future and I hope I hope some of these young guys from up, especially with the two guys on the caps up with the storm um, are able to play in DC. Cause that would be pretty cool. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk Hershey bears, South Carolina stingrays and all things prospects coming up. But here's a quick word from some of our sponsors. everybody welcome back to the show it's time to go down on the farm we are talking hershey bears and south carolina stingrays coach dan what's going on down on the farm well let's start in hershey where the bears went two and oh 
With it, see, this is why I can't go to a game because I'll be saying how they're going like 0 and 11 or something <laughs> if I end up showing up there. But they're able to come out with wins over the Baby Pens in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. They still haven't chosen a city to play in, just one of them. Uh, and an overtime win against Toronto. They're currently on a five-game winning streak. As we've been saying for a while now, they are currently first in the Atlantic Division and the entirety that is the AHL with 70 points. 13 up on second place Providence for both the division and the league. They are potentially literally running away with this thing. Now they'll be back at it tonight. That being Wednesday in Lehigh Valley. They then will hang out and do it again on Friday before heading home on Saturday to host Bridgeport at the giant center down in South Carolina. The stingers went three and zero with three straight wins over Wichita. I find the ECHL so weird. One, that the ECSL doesn't stand for anything anymore. It's, it's literally true. just the league name, which I don't get. That's not how it works. But then also, that you can play the same team three times in a row. Like, it's just, I, I get it because of travel and all the reasons why they do it. It's just so weird to me. Anyways, they scored in those wins over Wichita. They scored no less than five goals in each of those games. I think it was like a seven to one, a five to two and a five to one or something like that. It was ridiculous. They're also on their own five game winning streak as they're right. currently second in the South division with 50 points, 11 back of first place Greenville. Although the Rays have played two less games. Now, they'll be back at it on Friday in Greenville before heading to Atlanta for back-to-back -back games against the Gladiators starting on Saturday. Now, in some collegiate news, Ryan Leonard was named the Pro Ambitions Rookie of the Week. He totaled three points and finished last weekend with a plus four. This is the second time this season that he has received that award. Brandon, I know you wanted to uh, ask our buddy here about some uh, was it minors, minors <laughs> news. That's right. So, uh, Ryan, I know that, uh, like we said in your intro, you're the play-by-play -play guy for the Golf Storm in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, there's a couple Caps prospects on that team that you get to see at every game. So tell us a little bit about these guys. Yeah, Jake Carabella, who was a fifth-round pick, 149th overall two drafts ago, uh, has really turned into one of the star players on the Storm. He's third on the team in scoring. He's got 40 points this year. His goal scoring's really picked up. He's got 17 goals. Eight of those are on the power play. He's really helped turn that Storm power play, which struggled last year and earlier in the season this year into a really, really good top 10 unit. I believe they're seventh in the league now, and he's probably the main reason why he's got a great shot. He's really turned his offensive game up. But the thing about Jake that got him drafted was his two-way play and his skating ability. Uh, we saw him in last year's CHL top prospects game. Uh, he was spectacular. He scored a goal. It was a beautiful breakaway. And with his skating ability, he's going to be able to generate chances like that a lot in the NHL. He's already got NHL skating ability, in my opinion. He's great on his edges. The thing about him this year that's really stuck out to me, though, is how well he's turned in a defensive effort every night. He's one of the best face-off men in not only the OHL, but the entire CHL. This guy is dominant in the face-off dot. And it was a thing in the offseason that he really took a lot of pride in in trying to get better at just being a more well-rounded guy who can go out there and he gets used in every single situation, which I know is something when a drafted player does, it makes the parent club very happy. And I'm sure the Capitals have been paying a lot of attention 
to what he's been up to in Guelph this year, winning all those draws. He plays on the penalty kill. He plays on the power play. And he's an option every time that they're out there in overtime because he can outskate just about anybody. And then Cam Allen, who I haven't got to watch all year this year. He played his first game of the season last Friday. Of course, he tore his shoulder in develop just prior to Capitals development camp. He still went down and took part in all of it and then had the surgery in Washington and then flew home and began his rehab. And I'm blown away by the dedication that he's put in. And, you know, we, we had a conversation with Storm GM George Burnett the other day uh, the night of his first game of the season. Keep in mind, Cam two years ago was the rookie of the year in the Ontario Hockey League with 37 points as a defenseman. He scored 13 goals. A bunch of them are on the power play. He's got a massive shot. His edge works fantastic. And the thing about him, even though he's a smaller guy, he's about six feet tall. His compete level is off the charts. He is such a beloved teammate. Everybody loves having Cam around. Uh, he was sitting right next to me a lot of the time up in the booth during his injury time. He was always around the guys. Um, he's going to be the captain of, of the Guelph Storm next year. There's no question in my mind. He's already captain. Yeah, he's going to be the captain of the team. He's already captained the Holinka Gretzky Team Canada under 18 squad. That won gold. He had seven points in that tournament. Uh, this kid's got leadership qualities written all over him. Oh, by the way, he shoots right. He's a puck rusher. He's a great skater. And man, despite not being the biggest guy out there, his compete level and his ability to separate players from the puck with his strong lower body is unbelievable. And he made such a huge impact in his first game of the season for having not played for the entire OHL season prior to last Friday. You couldn't tell right from puck drop. He started the game. And his skating is really something to behold. And he's got such great patience. Again, I said earlier, teams are going to look back. I mark my words. I see the kid play every night and I saw the work that he put in to get back and come back ahead of schedule from this shoulder injury and, and the, and the muscle that he put on the kids put on 19 pounds. It's, it's absolutely incredible. The work that he's put in to be able to put on that kind of weight, get faster somehow and come back early from a shoulder surgery is unbelievable. We've got a kid coming here. Who's got extremely high compete is a beloved teammate has leadership qualities and shoots right from the point. I'm so excited when he got drafted. I, I messaged him, right? I was so excited that he got drafted by Washington and obviously joins Jake in the prospect ranks. So it's kind of cool for them to experience development camp together, but We've got a real gamer here. I, I think Cam Allen is going to make a lot of NHL scouts look back in boardroom meetings and go, how come we didn't take this kid? How'd he slide to the Capitals in the fifth round? I truly believe that the Capitals have a potential draft steal here with Cam Allen. That's fantastic. How many years and do you have before he comes to D.C.? Before he's a, a, a permanent Washington Capitol? Sure. I would I would say within three to four years. He'll be he'll be 19 turning 20 next year. He'll be the captain of the storm. There's no question in my mind. And then you're probably gonna put him in Hershey for a little bit, where he'll develop and probably be one of the best young players in that league and be part of a team that continues to push for championships too, which can only help. 
And he's already got championship pedigree, having won a gold medal for Team Canada. Um, you know, a- adding him to a roster like the Hershey Bears, who look well set up to be a contender for the next few seasons, um, will be excellent for him. He'll be able to gi- kind of get familiarized with the speed of the pro game, which really won't be a problem for him after a couple months just because of how well he already skates. Um, his gap control is unreal too. Like he closes guys down and pushes them into the boards and some of the hits he throws are awesome. Like he's going to be a popular player. He is going to be a popular player. He has the potential to turn into a real fan favorite. He, he really could become like an Orlov type guy shooting, right? He, he plays kind of a smash mouth game. Everything about cam is high intensity. And, um, I think that caps fans should get used to hearing the name. But can he do the hip check like Orlov could? Yeah, he can. <laughs> Trust me. I just remember it was so smooth with the hip checks of Orlov. We're just like, uh, you know, yeah. Sometimes a little frustrating offensively, but the hip check was it was it was an art. It was an art. <laughs> that's pretty amazing stuff. He puts on 19 pounds. When I do that, my doctor tells me to stop eating pizza, but that's I guess a, a different story. So <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. Like, and he's just a he's a really good kid too. Like he he's he's a funny guy. He he's really really excited about being a Washington Capital too. Like he uh, he's really really fired up about it. Um, and I I know that. I, I I wouldn't count him out at, at all. Like uh, he he had a significant uh, obstacle thrown his way with that shoulder injury, and he's come back and and looks just incredible. I I can't wait to watch him for the rest of the season. Well, that's awesome. Go Bears, go Stingrays, go Storm, and we will be yes. right back after these messages, and we're gonna go around the NHL and beyond. Welcome back to the show. Here we go. We're going around the NHL and beyond. There is plenty of stuff going on in the world of hockey. So coach Dan, catch us up. What's going on around the NHL and beyond. Well, let's start in Colorado where they signed veteran winger Zach Parise to a one year deal. Financial terms were not disclosed. Philadelphia signed center Ryan Poling to a two-year $3.8 million extension. Cap it comes to 1.9. Montreal's Brendan Gallagher was suspended for five games for an illegal check to the head of Islander of the Islanders, to put it grammatically correct, Adam Pellich. And the Rangers' Jacob Trubo was suspended for two games for elbowing Vegas's Pavel Dorofeyev. Arizona's Michael Kesselring. I'm not a Star Wars fan, but that definitely sounds like a Star Wars name. That does. Like, am I wrong? And like, I read that and I was like, well, that's not his last there name. There is the Kessel run. Yeah, someone's yes. screwing with me here, right? Like, I'm not, like, I, it had to be. Anyways, he was fined almost 2,500 for cross-checking Tampa's Matt Crozer. And Vancouver's Tyler Myers was fined five grand for elbowing Columbus's Sean we haven't had a lot of guys getting fined and suspended lately, so it felt like I guess this past week they had to like catch up on some. Uh, you had issues. to be so excited when you saw this, and we're like, "I got something to report." I know, right? Like, there's a couple times, especially early in the season, where I was like, "Everybody's behaving themselves." <laughs> Is this? We're talking about the NHL is just kind of boring with nothing to talk about, guys. 
Uh, going into some women's hockey news, the PWHL set another attendance record in, uh, sorry, on January 27th in women's hockey in Canada. The Ottawa versus Montreal game had an attendance record of 8,646. In international news, continuing the trend, congrats are in order to Team USA for winning gold in the Gangwon Winter Youth Olympic Games. The Americans earned a 4-0 victory over the Czech Republic in the gold medal game. So congratulations to them. Now, starting on August 1st, USA Hockey will be mandating neck laceration protection for all players under the age of 18. I think this is a smart move and probably something I wouldn't be surprised to see going forward uh, in the minors in the National Hockey League as well. Actually, talking about this, let's take pause for a second. Ryan, being as that you're up in Canada and hockey is obviously a much bigger sport up there than it is in the U.S., unfortunately. Um, the story that came out in terms of what happened over in England, how big was that a story in Canada and sort of what are the conversations around neck protection now? It, that was a pretty big deal, obviously. You know, what happened to Mr. Johnson was obviously just – you know, a terrible thing. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, we've seen before. Um, and we, we've seen guys survive it. Luckily, you know, I think back to, you know, Clint Millar, Chuck, obviously when he was playing in Buffalo and, uh, Richard Zednick, of course, in 2007 with the Florida Panthers. Um, and unfortunately we we've seen, you know, a few people now, over the last number of years lose their lives. Um, and, and ultimately I just think that it's, uh, it's a preventable thing and, and we know that. And I, I think that it's a good move. It got a lot of traction here and there was immediate conversations with hockey Canada and basically every minor hockey organization across the country. A number of them have mandated this mandated neck protection, uh, that's wearable as part of your uniform immediately. I know a lot of hockey associations out east in Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, um, New Brunswick, like put this in right away for all youth players. I believe they mandated under the age of at least 15. And there's going to be a review this summer, much like with USA Hockey, on what it looks like going forward in terms of the CHL, which includes the Ontario Hockey League, of course, and some of the Tier 2 Junior A leagues as well, like the AGHL, the BCHL. Um, it got a lot of traction for obvious reasons, and I think that ultimately when people see something like that happen in such tragic circumstances and everybody steps back and goes, well, wait a minute, there, there's a way that we can prevent this. I think that that's gen generally when you see action taken pretty swiftly. And I think that we've seen that on both sides of our border. Hey, everybody. How's it going? This is Brandon here. Uh, I'm just interjecting during this episode of What the Puck. Uh, we recorded this episode earlier this week, and we talked to Ryan about the Hockey Canada uh, World Juniors scandal that is happening right now and he uh told us about what happened in that story and uh what's going on in london ontario the story involves sexual assault and i wanted to make everyone aware of that and if you are a victim of sexual assault uh and do not want to hear this uh if you go forward to the show about 13 minutes 
that's when we wrap things up. So if you need to fast forward, uh, that's okay. And if you don't want to listen to this section of the show, uh, go forward about 13 minutes and uh, you can skip this story. It is a very hard one to listen to. Uh, It's not easy. And uh, I just wanted to make everyone aware of that before we start talking about it. So, But if you go uh, forward about 13 minutes and 10 seconds, maybe 11 seconds, uh, you should be able to skip that story if the, uh, if you choose to. Um, just wanted to make everyone aware of that. Uh, last little bit of news we have for this segment of the show. Last week, we'd mentioned a developing situation with the 2018 Canadian World Juniors team. So a number of players have now been mentioned. Dylan Dube, Cal Foote, Michael McLeod, Carter Hart, and Alex Fermentin have all been charged in relation to an alleged sexual assault while they were members of the Canadian team at the World Junior Ice Hockey Championships in London, Ontario in 2018. There'll be more on this story as it develops. I believe all of those players have have either had their representation or they themselves have come out and, and said that um... – they're going to fight the charges and they, that they don't agree with it. But as of right now, they have, uh, they've all taken leave of absences from their teams and um, they were charged in London. But uh, Ryan, could you kind of give us a little bit more information about what you know about the situation? I, like, like we talked about uh, before the show started um, here in the U S this is, this is a non-story. Nobody's talking about it outside the the hockey bubble. So really, we know very minimum information about what is going on currently and what has happened. So if you could kind of fill us in a little bit and and kind of let the, the listeners know what's going on as it pertains to uh, the allegations and, and the charging of these guys. Yeah, for sure. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, obviously, um, we all know what we know because of some pretty diligent reporting. And Rick Westhead up here for TSN CTV has been at the spearhead of that alongside people like Katie J. Strang of The Athletic and Emily Kaplan working with the NHL. Um, These people have done a tremendous job in terms of making sure that everybody has uh, up to the minute really information regarding this really right from when the allegations first became public. Essentially what's happened here is that there's an alleged allegation here of a situation that occurred in June of 2018 with the Canadian world junior team that won gold that January. Um, They were at a hockey Canada sanctioned golf event in London, Ontario in June of that year when uh, this situation is alleged to have occurred. Um, and basically what, what's being alleged here is that these five gentlemen who have now all been identified and have confirmed through their legal representatives that they have been formally charged by the London Police Service were involved allegedly in a gang sexual assault of one complainant who is only identified as EM. She wants to keep her identity, you know, withheld from the public. I completely understand why. That's what the allegations are. We know now that all five of those young men have been formally charged by London police. There's going to be a press conference held next Monday, February 5th, in London and the media company that I work for up here, Blackburn Media, our headquarters are in London. We're going to have reporters on scene. I'm sure Rick Westhead will be there along with a number of other high level national reporters. 
Um, so that's going to be a very big day, Monday, February 5th. I believe the press conference is scheduled sometime between 11 and noon. And um, you can bet that a lot of people up here are going to be tuned into that. It's going to be streamed live nationally. And uh, the London police chief and uh, the lead investigators on this case are going to essentially fill us in. And honestly, we don't know what to expect. We don't know how much information is going to be withdrawn, withheld, given to us in terms of how this case all came together. Um, but that's where we sit right now. And you're, you're correct. All of those young men have had their legal representatives come out and say that they will all be pleading not guilty. They are all going to fight the charge. But that's where we stand essentially right now. Until Monday, we're all basically sitting in kind of a legal limbo here in terms of what happens next here. Obviously, the allegations are extremely serious. They're extremely heinous. And if any of it is true and that they can prove without a, that that's what is going to have to happen legally. I'm no legal expert, but they will have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this situation occurred. And if it is true that this happened, none of these young men should ever play professional hockey again at any capacity, be it here or over in Europe where Alex Formanton was playing in the Swiss Elite League. Um, obviously, these type of crimes uh, are, in my opinion, some of the worst things that you can commit as a human being. Again, we don't know what transpired. The, that's the police's job to get to the bottom of it. But if they deem that what was alleged here, which is very, very serious, occurred, these guys will never play an NHL game again, and rightly so. But until Monday, February 5th, when the London Police Service hold a press conference, we uh, we don't really know much more than that. But we, what we do know as well is that when these allegations first came to the forefront, because of the diligent work of people like Rick Westhead and Katie J. Strang, Hockey Canada was thrown into you know, administrative turmoil last year. They had to get rid of their entire executive board. Everybody was fired or was forced to step down because all of the major sponsors up here, Tim Hortons, Canadian Tire, Sport Check, they all pulled their funding from the Hockey Canada World Junior Program until, you know, some justice was served because it was discovered that Hockey Canada was taking funds which are collected through player fees through all minor ho hockey organizations across the country. And they essentially established a slush fund where they were taking money and paying off people in sexual assault allegations to just quietly go away. As a matter of fact, it came out the other day that since 1989, in seven, in seven separate occasions, Hockey Canada has paid out over $7.6 million dollars in sexual allegation suits against people either that were players for Hockey Canada or executives with Hockey Canada to essentially make it go away. And that caused a huge firestorm up here because people were really upset that national funding for our national game and the organization that oversees it was using it for stuff like this. It's extremely disgusting. And I'm glad that all of those people that were on that board are gone and no longer involved. But 
man, like this goes way deeper. I, I should mention as well that there's also an open investigation into a similar claim involving the 2003 Canadian World Junior Team in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We don't know the players that are involved in that or that have been accused in that scenario. Uh, you'll remember, of course, that was the year that Alex Ovechkin led Russia to a gold medal against Canada. Um, we don't know much more about that one yet, but that's also an ongoing case. So Hockey Canada has a lot of very dirty stuff to clean off their plate right now. And the way that we've discovered that they've been going about doing it is a serious problem. And uh, yeah, basically until Monday, we don't know much more, but um, those five young men, their their future in terms of playing pro hockey is very much in jeopardy. Wow. Just what a what a what a story and um ben ben raby who covers the capitals he posted earlier that the globe and mail uh their front page has the picture of those five guys and uh the big headline says former junior player uh, world junior players named in sexual assault case so it's it's front page news for canada it's and it's front page news for you guys up there what has kind of been the the public's response to to this story i mean like you said I, I if it were if it were me and that was my home country and they're using hush money and that kind of stuff i would just i'd be embarrassed i'd be uh uh just in, in complete shock like what 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 is what's the thought pre- process of hockey fans and and just you know the everyday canadian what what are they thinking right now about this whole thing I think the general consensus is kind of what you said. A lot of people are embarrassed, very upset. Um, a lot of people, uh, I'll count myself among them, feel lied to um, by Hockey Canada in, in these instances. Because listen, it's one thing to have these instances occur, which is terrible. And I would like to see anybody that commits these type of offenses be you know, taken to task to the full extent of the law. And in my opinion, quite frankly, in both of our countries, the laws need to change. I think that the penalties should be far more severe and far more extreme in these instances. It absolutely baffles me the amount of sexual predators out there, not just in the hockey world, but in general, that get extremely, in my opinion, light sentences for absolutely heinous crimes, many of them against minors. And it's just unacceptable. And I think that in light of that, and I think most people are in agreement with that, in light of that, learning that our national body that is in charge of the game we cherish most was involved in trying to cover stuff up like this is extremely embarrassing. I'm embarrassed as a Canadian when it first broke. I I was extremely embarrassed. This kind of thing can't happen. And again, it's one thing for these situations to occur, which are terrible. It's a whole other thing when the people that are at the top of any organization involved in something like this goes to this type of financial length to cover it up. That's not right and should never happen. Unfortunately, it does. And the people that hold too much power in these instances get away with it far too often. I think in terms of this situation in particular, I think the majority of people are upset and shocked by it. I think that like most situations like this, there are a lot of people out there who are 
completely writing this off and trying to make it seem like this poor girl's out trying to get money out of these guys or, or something like that. There are a lot of idiots out there who just think that, oh, you know, they're, they're, we got to feel bad for these guys. They're, this girl's trying to ruin their career. Maybe. I highly doubt it. We know that there are stats out there that say a, a large majority of people that come forward with these type of allegations, A, don't do it for a long time because of the embarrassment and extreme shame that it brings. Um, you know, take Theo Fleury, for example. He was abused alongside his cousin by their junior hockey coach. And he wrote a book about it, and so did his cousin, Sheldon Kennedy. Uh, they're best-selling books. You can read them. It's awful what happened to those guys. This stuff does happen. And I think that there is a small segment of people out there that are immediately willing to write this off as, oh, no, you know, the, a party maybe got a little out of control and she's over-inflating what happened. Look, what I'll say is kind of what I said at the start. I want the police to investigate this to the fullest extent and find out what happened that night. And if any of these guys are guilty of sexually assaulting this young woman, I want them in prison and I want them to never play professional hockey ever again. And I hope they go to prison for a long time if they are guilty of this. And that's all I have to say. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for uh, sharing with that and, and letting us know uh, what's going on. Uh, in Canada with this whole situation. It's just, it, it's a terrible story. And it's every, awful. Time, every time something new comes out with the story, I'm like, I, it can't get worse, but it just seems to keep getting worse and worse and worse. But it, at least, at least, I mean, at least this is now coming to light and things can start getting fixed, I guess, is the only thing that's good so far. But none of this is, none of this is good. But uh, Coach Dan, is that, uh, is that it for the show this week? I think that's it, buddy. All right, everybody. Well, if you would like to continue the conversation with Coach Dan, Ryan, or I, you can follow us all on X, Twitter, no. formerly Twitter. It's Stop uh, calling can... it X. <laughs> that's what it is. I X. don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't like it either, but that's what Stupid. it is now. Uh, uh, Multi-billionaire just make stuff up but you can i'm uh, kind of with dan i i don't i don't like to appease elon's childishness he's a psychopath he's yeah he's not which is unreal right because he like he was a very popular guy five years ago people thought this yeah. guy was gonna save the planet and now he's turned into i don't really know what he's turned into it's unreal yeah it's crazy but you can uh, follow me at brando cash coach dan where can people follow you at i don't get it either i don't like he's he was he how can you be both the smartest guy in the world and the dumbest guy in the world at the same time i don't get it oh but go ahead i don't know we've already put one of those guys as our president before so yeah uh. we maybe do it again <laughs> Oh, anyways, you can find me on Twitter at WTP Coach Dan talking all kinds of Capitals related stuff, talking about Arsenal Football Club back in the win column again. Got a nice win, a little bit of a nervy win yesterday. And uh, on there talking about the Bills, unfortunate end to their season. But when your linebacking core is not playing because they're all injured and Josh Allen, who actually played very well. He and Gabe Davis couldn't line up. So Gabe Davis is going to be on his way out. Probably it's going to be an interesting off season for the bills. Talk about the commanders who big news coming out yesterday with Ben Johnson deciding to stay in Detroit when he was the favorite to be the next head coach 
of the Washington Commanders. Can we get a new team name? It's so dumb. No one likes it. That's not true. Some fans like it. I don't get it. But anyways, you can find me on Twitter at WTP Coach Dan. Ryan, if people want to follow you, if they want to learn more about the Guelph Storm, learn more about uh, Hockey Can or various things that you're doing up there. I'm usually jealous because you get to see all these cool hockey teams. We got the Caps. I got to drive two hours to the Bears. We got nothing in Baltimore. Where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Storm PXP Drury. Um, Storm play-by-play Drury. And uh, yeah, typically on there, I'm just sharing a lot of Guelph Storm content, obviously, uh, you know, working with the team. Um, I launched a new show with the team where you can kind of get to know the players a little bit and some of the team staff. I, uh, I actually did an interview on there with Cam Allen uh, early in the year, right after he came back from development camp in Washington. So if you guys want to check that out, the show is called Eye of the Storm, a Guelph Storm podcast. And it's on YouTube. And I believe Cam Allen was my third or fourth episode. I, I can't remember, but uh, launched a new show with them. So you can find that on YouTube. Um, obviously, my sports talk show that I do up here, Instigating with Clarky and Drury. You can find us on social media at Instigating Pod. And I'm on Instagram as well, rdrury08. Very cool. If you uh, are on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash what the puck pod. Make sure you like us over there. Whenever a new show comes out, you'll be the first to know. Like we said, you can leave us an Apple podcast review. You can rate us over on Spotify. Do all those things. Be social with the show. Tell everybody I'm a Washington Capitals fan and I listen to what the puck and you should too. You can check out the final episode of this season of my Baltimore Ravens podcast called the call, wherever you listen to this podcast, you can listen to the call there as well. We got one final one to wrap up the season and man, it was a heartbreaker. It was not a show I enjoyed recording, but uh, if you're a Kansas city chiefs fan, you probably will enjoy listening to it. So uh, you could definitely do that as well. So let's, they were not the better team. The chiefs were not the, look, I'm not a Ravens fan. Hey, they were they the better were team the better on team. Sunday. Y'all, you said, no, the Ravens were the better team on Sunday. Y'all just beat yourselves. <sighs> yeah, Lamar was, Lamar was awful. He was awful, yeah. and he's going to have to once again shake off that, that reputation of being a guy that can't get it done in a pressure situation when he's forced to throw the ball. He made some awful throws. Yeah. Oh, he, that, that, I, that interception he threw in the second half. Oh, my God. I have no idea why Isaiah likely was even calling for that ball. I don't get that at all. It was, it was a bad day on Sunday, uh, but I don't like it when Lamar goes into the postseason and uh, puts the entire team on his back because he doesn't have to, there's a lot of talent around him and it was unnecessary for him to put the whole thing on his back because when he does that, he buckles and it's uh, it's unfortunate, but that's, that's the, Player he is, but we've seen a great star like Alexander Ovechkin go to the postseason and just not be able to get it done for a very long time. Uh, but we finally get to see him win the big one in 2018. But that's what I tried to tell people that are Ravens fans. Like I waited a long time to see Ovi lift the cup up above his head, a long time. So the fact that Lamar hasn't done it in six years, that's nothing. So uh, let's go I over think the game. Good enough to do it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I absolutely do. And I, I think, think the he's coaching good staff to do is it. good. It's just he needs to he needs to get out of his own head. He's thinking way too much. 
And uh, he's also stop. You got to stop thinking of the Super Bowl. Think of every game as your Super Bowl. Don't think of that 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 uh, final. Think of don't think of your destination. Think of the road you got to travel. He's he's yep. too hung up on the the end game. But uh, until we talk again, we've got the All Star Game coming up this weekend, and then on Tuesday, February sixth, the Capitals. That's their first game back after the break. They will be up against Montreal in D.C. That game's at 7 o'clock, and you can watch that one on the Monumental Sports Network. So I think that's pretty much it for the show this week. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us again. We really got to do this much sooner than we have in the past because it's been a couple years, but, man, it's been great talking to you. It's been great uh, getting some uh, some great information from you about some of our prospects, your opinion of, of what's going on with the Capitals right now and everything going on in Canada. Uh, really, you do a great job up there with the storm. Uh, we're, you know, we've already talked about all of that, but if anybody is in Canada and can go to a storm game, definitely check it out. Ryan's one of the best up there. Ryan, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you guys. Hey, you, you guys know we go way back now. And uh, I I think the first time I came on the show was like 2016 or something like that. So we've, uh, we've got a long history here. So you guys know I'm always available to you too. And it's always a pleasure to chat. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody out there, say it loud, say it proud. Let's go, Caps. This has been a production of Brando Cash Entertainment. Music by DJ Wolfman. Voiceover by Sarah Jacks. For more information, go to brandocash.com.